0: Good morning. Someday we will get this right. I want to welcome you to Lexington Baptist Church. Thankful you are here. We are studying through the book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy, if you haven't have your, your phone, if you did not bring your Bible, if you look up the Bible app, you'll see there are actually notes in there. So if you go to the Bible app, click on events, and you'll see us under live, and you can see the notes that are in there if that is helpful for you want to thank those that are able to do our songs today grace i don't know um if you could be paid a better compliment than to say that you look different than the other three fellows that were up here <laughs> That that was uh that's meant as a sheer sheer compliment to you <laughs> condemnation of them Two weeks ago, we saw in 1 Timothy a second trustworthy statement. We have a trustworthy statement in 1 Timothy 1. We have a second one starting in 1 Timothy 3. What is that trustworthy statement? It's trustworthy that a man a man would aspire the office of a pastor, elder, shepherd. So then he gives qualifications of that office. We'll see in 1 Timothy 3, verse number 8, this word likewise, which will distinguish again likewise, just like we saw this trustworthy statement, this is a good thing for men to be doing. Likewise, deacons, we're going to have another list of qualifications. But before we get into that text, I want you to look back at our text from our scripture reading that Matt read today from Acts chapter 6, because I want to set up here, what is a deacon? So if you're turning, r- turn real quick to Acts chapter 6, we will come back to First Timothy 3. But in Acts chapter 6, we will see some aspect of what this is, of what is a deacon. I want to profess to you real quick and confess. This text in Acts chapter 6 will not use the word deacon. So we we need to admit that and bring that out right at the front. But there is, as the early church has shown and as modern Christendom has shown, there is in in its incipient form, in a beginning form, some aspect of this deacon function starts here in Acts chapter 6. We know Acts is a transitionary book and we don't have to You know there's a lot of things that are descriptive and not prescriptive but at least want to at least give that information to you so as we're looking at this i understand as should you there's maybe an incipient form of this but it's not technically this is exactly how you should do this does that make sense at least look at how they did it let's learn from it and let's see how that ties into first timothy three acts chapter six we see first you'll see here what is a deacon now i have all these questions listed up here and you can read them So you will, re- will try to walk through them And these are answered here in 1st Timothy 6 verses 1 through 7 So what caused this office to sprout or come up? Look at verse number 1 What does the text say? Now in these days When the disciples were increasing in number A complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews Because their widows were being neglected In the daily distribution There was already division in the church Already division We're favoring one group over another, and that is bad. We should not be doing that. We should be loving people because they're made in the image of God. All God's people said, amen. So that's what we do. We serve all. No matter who walks through those doors, no matter what they look like, no matter what they are wearing, Christian, they're made in the image of God. We love them. And we care for them, and we point them to the one that is the healer of their soul, just like he was for you and for me. There's division. There's also a need. These widows need to be served. So why are deacons necessary? Look at verse number 2. And the 12 summoned the full number of disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up the preaching of the word to serve tables. Well, what? Come on. You can't hand out food. You're above this. Is that what this text is saying? No, it's not what this text is saying. Should the church neglect ministering to widows? Absolutely not. But what is the highest priority for the church? The teaching and preaching of the word of God. The best thing I could do for you Monday through Friday, the best thing is not visit you. I mean, I sit well but it's true. Doesn't mean I don't visit. But the best thing I could do for you is read and study, and read and study and pray, read and study and pray and, read and study and pray, and read and study and pray, read and study and pray, so I can come on Sunday and give to you the teaching of the Word of God. Because as Paul said in 1 Corinthians, it is through the foolishness of preaching that God changes hearts. And we want to see God change hearts, so we keep that as our top priority. Teaching and preaching the Word. This is the climax of our Sunday worship the teaching and preaching the this is what we are to do this is what we are to protect so again they're not saying we can't serve friend if you see a pastor that will not serve remind yourself he has ceased to fit the qualifications of a pastor they should serve but they shall also recognize the time that they have and recognize you know what I need to be spending more time doing this because this is going to help the church best there are other people that can do these other things too if I asked you, friend, do you want to teach next Sunday here, some of you would already start sweating because you don't want to be up here in front of other people. There's some that don't have that gift of teaching. So, again, I understand that. But where are you gifted? Let's each do our own part, and we'll be good. So who has authority in this text? So let's look at, again, Acts 6. Look verse number 3. Therefore, brothers, those the teaching, in, teaching apostles are saying, Therefore, brothers, pick out among you, who's the you? The church, seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and wisdom, who, whom we, who's the we, the apostles, will appoint to this duty. Two of the three p- groups mentioned in this text have authority. Those teaching and preaching, the congregation, who did we leave out? The, the middle group, those, those that they're getting ready to appoint, the deacons. They have zero authority. Now, it may not sit well with some of you. And unfortunately, it's, it's actually biblically true. Deacons have zero authority in the Bible. Can you think of a verse where deacons have authority? Survey says, N-n-n. it's not there. It's not there so our, our church constitution so we brought this up before you know it's coming it contradicts this and we talked about this two weeks ago in article 7 at section 3 the deacons are to control and lead when the church when the senior pastor is gone all of a sudden other pastors are falling underneath them and they're to lead our doctrinal statement article 10.7 professes that our church is led by the deacons and the pastors this is not what we see in the new testament church and we come back to this idea, which I started at the beginning of our study, First Timothy. What will be our guide for faith and practice? This? Our constitution? Or the way we've always done it? Which do you think we should choose? And what do we do when they conflict? When this conflicts with the way we've always done it? What do we do when this conflicts with what we have written in our constitution? What should we do? You have authority, as we just discussed. What will you do with it? Correct it? Meh, no big deal. So the choice is to you. What is the function of a deacon? Verse number three. Therefore, brothers, pick out among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. The function of a deacon is to do whatever those teaching the word appoint them to do. And in verse two, if you look at the need of the widows there you could kind of summarize that the function of a deacon is to take off the plate of a those teaching the word take off their plate things that they can do so that way those teaching the word can devote themselves to teaching and praying this is what they're going to be doing what does our constitution say about this relax it's really good okay so i'm not just trying to throw stones at it Article 7, under deacons, our Constitution says, it shall be the duties of the deacons to engage actively in all spiritual work of the church, to seek out such members as need assistance where there is relief, to visit the sick. This is great. Be an active part of all aspects of the ministry. Yeah. Seek out those in need in our church community. Absolutely, it's great. Visit the sick. Amen and amen. Go ask a deacon what they do. So three years ago, After being here two years, I sat down with the deacons, and I I read our church constitution, and and I said, is this what you do? Is this what you feel like your main role is? And guess what they said? No. Well, why aren't we doing it? It's not because they don't want to visit the sick. It's because right now, the what's happened over time, is not, not trying to blame anybody, not trying to throw stones at anybody, just what's happened over time, is just kind of melted into, we need to meet once a month and discuss the future of the church and vote on things. That's not what we need you doing. What we need deacons doing is what deacons are called to do in the text. And, and you may feel like, well then, are you just trying to get rid of them? You've seen them, right? Some of them we're singing today. We're just trying to get rid of them? What's the answer? No. Think through, if you've been at this church for any length of time, can you think of a deacon that has served faithfully, but was also apt to teach? Were you in Sunday school today? there's a fellow named Marion Nicely, who is a fantastic teacher, but he's also been a deacon. Why have we put him in the wrong role? He's able to teach. Let's put him in the right spot. And similarly, this summer, I was talking to one of my former teens and uh, graduated from Bible college, got his master's, and he's working at a church, and they had this, uh, some kind of idea that, again, there can only be one pastor. Only one pastor. So they hired him and paid him, and his official title is the paid teaching deacon the the paid teaching deacon so you're like (coughs) i just started laughing when he said it i was like you gotta be kidding me he goes no i'm not joking i was like that's the one difference between the deacon and pastor that they can teach why would you pay a deacon if he can teach make him a pastor but let's not make this hard This, this can't be rocket science can it do you have qualification A for 70, 3, 1 through 7? Well, you fit in that role. If you you meet qualification B in 3, 8, 3, 13, you fit in that role. Like baseball. Can you throw a 95-mile-an-hour fastball? You should probably pitch. Can you hit the ball 400 feet? You should probably hit. But we need both. We need both, and we're going to see this at the very end. What did the apostles do once they understood their function? Look at verse 6. And they sat before the apostles, and they prayed, and they laid their hands on them. Our church doctrinal statement actually says we should be doing this. But as far as I know, we've not done it for a long time. I think we should. I think it would be good for us to get back to doing that. Again, there are things in, in our Constitution, and doctrine, they're great. But they were also written by who? The Holy Spirit or men? Men. Written by mortals. We're going to mess stuff up. We just will. We get in our own way all the time. So, this stuff, when we're referring straight to the text, this is exactly what the text says, where it says that we ought to ordain deacons going, that's what they actually did. This would be good for us to do. What is the result of the apostles teaching and preaching the deacons? And sorry, apostles teaching and preaching the deacons serving. Look at verse number 7. And the word of God continued to increase. And the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. A great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. The church grew. Division went away. The need was met, the church grew as everybody was now blossoming in their function, in their role. We get people in the right spot, using the gifts that God's naturally given them, or supernaturally given them, good things will happen. Just put people in the right spot where God's gifted them to do this. Fan the flame. Get them rolling. That is Acts chapter 6. Now first, Turn over to 1st Timothy chapter 3 And we'll see who can be a deacon Look at the qualifications of who can be a deacon 1st Timothy 3 Look at verses 8 through 12 Who can be a deacon We'll see these qualifications there First it starts off 1st Timothy 3 verse number 8 Deacons likewise Deacons likewise I mentioned this word earlier This starts a new section, a new statement a new group. Anyone that desires this office of a pastor, okay, they're desiring a noble work. Likewise, deacons, deacons likewise must be dignified. Not double tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. Verse from eight. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. This is the start of Paul working through three different set, three different categories subgroups of 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 12. He's working through first a pers- their personal life. He'll get into their church life and also get into their home life. Just personally, they ought to be dignified, reverent, depending on your translation. This is not a snooty person. It's a warm and inviting person that understands that they are children of the Almighty God. They should be spirit-controlled, right? Not addicted to much wine. They should not be controlled by substances. It's not just alcohol, any substance name it, they should not be controlled by anything other than the Holy Spirit, as we should be. Right? Don't be drunk with wine where's in excess, but be controlled, be filled by the Holy Spirit. They're to be, not to be greedy. Perhaps in their need, in in their dealing with the needy, they were had had to also deal with finances. And so they want to make sure that whoever is helping the needy, maybe they had a benevolence fund back then, I'm serious, maybe they did where they could help the needy, help the poor, and they wanted to make sure that those that were going to be doing that weren't trying to use it for ill gain. These deacons are to be filled with character, able to be trusted. Verse 9 shows that they are to be faithful to Christ, they are to have a clean conscience. This is personally, this is how they are to live. Next, we see their church life in verse number 10. Let them also be tested first, and let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Before we would have somebody serve, we need to first see them serving. So you don't look at somebody and go, you know what? They could be a great deacon. Let's get them serving. Flip that. We see them serving. and This this person continues to serve all the time. We can't keep them from serving. Why don't you just be a deacon? We've seen it. We've seen you do it. Now there's debate on that. and There's some churches that go with model A. Let's pick the person, and then let's shove them into the role, and let's see if they can do it. Model B, I think we see here in 1 Timothy, when you're dealing with an office that God has ordained, you'd say, let's see it first. Right? We talk about this with missionaries. If a missionary doesn't share the gospel here, what are the odds they will share it when they are away? In the same, if you're not serving now, if you're not serving now, why would we make you a deacon? Serve. Get plugged in. Is Jesus worth serving? Absolutely. Is his church worth serving? Then do it. Get plugged in. And as people see you going, you know what? Come. We, we should have you. Be a part of this. We also see these qualifications. Go down to verse number 12. We see the home life. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children their households well. We spoke about this two weeks ago. Don't want to belabor this point, but it's not speaking of divorce. We talked about this again. This is speaking of a one-woman man that he is devoted physically to only one. It's only one person, only one woman in his life. Does not mean they can't be single, because they can. The person writing this was single. But if you're going to have a wife, you're devoted to her and her, her alone. That's it. Everybody else is off the menu. Now there is, these are the qualifications. And we're going to get to the next point. And we need to breathe. Because we're going to get to confusion. Okay, so look at this next point here, confusion. And, and we're, we're going to look at verse number 11. I don't know if you notice, I skipped that one. Is this speaking of women can be deacons, men and women can be deacons, or they can be couples? Or just men only? Can women also join? Can we have deacons and deaconesses? Or is this gonna, going to be couples? So again, everyone look at me, just, we're going to be all right. We're going to walk through it. We're just going to see what it says. Not what we've done. Not what we feel comfortable with. What does it say? Now you may look at this and go, you've got to be kidding me. Because it reads, and I'm reading from the ESV, it says their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderous, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. It says, Pastor, it says their wives. Correct. What translation do you have? If if you have an ESV like I do, it will say their wives. Anybody in here have an NIV? Anybody? It doesn't say that, does it? It says the women. Uh Uh-oh. Should we distrust our translation and toss it out? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So we have a word, wife, in the English language. We also have a word, woman, in the English language. You understand those are two different words. Just because you see a woman does not make her your wife. Right? Guys understand that when they start turning 13, 14, they're going, I want to date her. does not mean she's going to be your wife, pal. Okay? Good luck. In the Greek you determine woman, wife, based on context. The context will tell you. So you can choose either one and be fully within accord, fully fully in accord with the text. Well, there's the word there, T-H-E-I-R, also not in the text. Neither is the word the, because there's no article supplied. Does not mean, again, So if you have a King James, you'll see that in italics. If you have a King James, if you look down at your text, you'll see it in italics that it's not there. There is not there. Well, why? Because it's a different language. And when translating from one to the other, there's just some things that don't mix very well. And so if you're trying to read the Greek text straight across, left to right, good luck. It's not going to work. You find the verb, everything centers around it, and they decided, we don't need a lot of articles. You can just supply them if you want to. So a lot of times, just like the pronouns or articles that we, don't ha- that we would add in all the time so we have specificity, they don't. And so again, look at your King James Bible if you have it. You'll see a lot of words in italics. It's not because they're trying to add things to the Word of God. They're just trying to make it clear for you in English. So it doesn't sound wooden. Just choppy. They want it to flow, so it's an actual sentence. So the is not there. There is not there. Woman or wife depends on context. Now, because of that, let's walk through three views. These three views men only, men and women, or it's just couples. Okay, so let's look at these. First, men only view. If you believe this, men only view, let me give you. Three things you need to wrestle with in this text and in the New Testament. and, And you need to wrestle with them. First, if you look up, so if you look at verse number 11, skim up to verses 1 through 7. These are qualifications for whom? Elder. Do you notice something missing in 3, 1 through 7 that is in 3, 8 through 12? something missing here in 3 1 through 7 there's no qualification for a elder's wife strange isn't it that we would require qualifications for a deacon's wife to serve but not the one teaching and preaching that my wife could be spiritually immature but a deacon's wife doesn't have to be Doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit. That's something, that's odd. So if you're looking at this, you, you got to admit, right? That is kind of strange. Why would Paul just leave that out? Okay, number two, look back at verse number eight. See the word likewise. Trustworthy statement, noble endeavor. Likewise, the deacons. Now look down at verse number 11. Likewise. The women or the wives. Same exact structure, same exact word, denoting, seems like grammatically a new section and a new role. It's not speaking of the women, this is speaking, I'm sorry, not speaking of wives, this is speaking of women being deaconesses. You have to deal with the word hutos, hustos, likewise. Mark said in three eight. Mark's in a 311. Grammatically, if you're a big grammar nerd, this may push you into this women can serve. And for many, it does. Third, the word deacon is used 30 times in the New Testament. The majority of those, it's used of just people in service. Not always good, but just in service, in serving. There are three times where it's used to speak of people in function. Here, 1 Timothy 3. It's used at the beginning of the letter to Philippi. so where Paul will greet the elders and the deacons. It's used in Romans 16.1. You know Romans 16.1 says? I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant or deacon, depending on your translation, of the church of Centuria. It's the same word. Our sister, it's not Phoebe, like, well, we use using the name wrong. No, it's our sister, it's a lady, and she is a deacon. Uh-oh. What do we do with that? One writer said of these official uses, they refer to a person occupying a recognized position in the church. MacArthur said of this, in the early church, women servants cared, in the early church, women servants cared for sick believers, the poor, strangers, and those in prison. This is what the early church did. This was a natural practice to have women doing these things. That's a lot to chew on. So if you think deacons can only be men, you have some questions to answer. And listen, let's be honest with the text. Sometimes they're just hard things to answer. Also, I don't know if you believe this or not, we may disagree. Did you know that? Sometimes in our culture, in America, we disagree. What do you think about masks? What do you think about mandates? What do you think I'm getting stuck with a needle? We're all in harmony. Right? So uh, relax, but recognize tension. We compare Scripture with Scripture. If you are in Category 1, only men, you have your work cut out for you, as does Category 2. So let's look at Category 2. Women can serve as deacons or deaconesses. So, Phoebe's called a deacon. She's not called a deaconess. She's just called a deacon, straight up. But before you pat yourself on the back, I knew it all along. You have some questions to answer for view number two. Because so if Paul meant women and not wives, look at verse number 11 again. Does it seem strange that he's speaking to men in verses 8 through 10 and then men in verse 12? And passes over, and so if you're thinking through this, I'm speaking to men, speaking to men, speaking to men, women separately, and then back to the man. It seems like in that setup, he's speaking of men, 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 their wives, verse 12, fits with their home. Tension. You have some homework to do. Also in Acts 6, the text we read earlier, again, which I admit at the very forefront, It was in an incipient form. They never used the word deacon. But there's things for us to learn from there. Whom did the church appoint? Seven men. Oof. We know we both have problems. You're right. Number three. Paul is speaking to couples, meaning we can have deacons and deaconesses, but they have to be married to each other. This view has to wrestle with why on earth did Paul give some of the same exact commands to the same couple? And why did he split them? I mean, the same exact words, they should be dignified or reverent, used the same way to both people. Why not just say both of you? Save himself some time and space because writing back then was an expensive endeavor. And many of the items in these two overlap between the women and the men. So, which is it? What do you think? Study to show yourself approved. So study, work through it, but be honest with the text. Would you like my opinion? Can I give you the word opinion? An opinion. Do I think women could be deacons at this church? The answer, the way our church is set up right now, is no. Because our church constitution calls on our deacons to lead and puts them in a role of authority. Because of what we saw at the end of First Timothy 2, because what we saw at the beginning of 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, I don't think that's the case. That's not what it should be. If deacons just serve, do I, in opinion, think women could do that? So if we had a widow's ministry, could we have a deaconess ministering to widows? Absolutely. If you were to ask my pops who was here last week, can women be deacons, seven out of ten times he's going to say no. The reason why I give you that number is because he changes his answer often. Seven out of ten times he's going to say no. The next question you should ask my dad is, why then did you have deaconesses at your church? Because he did. Every time, we see my dad and I, we talk about this over and over again. Now they can't be deacons. Dad, you had deaconesses at your church. Well, yeah, but... You know, they were just doing these things over here. That's what they should be doing. They're just ministering to widows and helping nursing moms. And they're visiting with, <laughs> with yeah, what you, don't want, you don't want me going into that situation. So, in opinion, I, if we were to ever change this and actually had deacons that look like this New Testament where they're just serving. So we need somebody over nursery. You can have a lady do this. In fact, we've already had ladies do that. We just don't give them that name. If you struggle with the name, they can't have that name. Then call them the Phoebe group. Based on Romans 16, off the lady, that was called the deacon. But at least allow them to serve. And recognize that women can serve. They're not underneath men. Giving them the ability to serve does not, should not, get you in a wad. They serve all the time. Encourage them to do so. God's gifted them. Let them serve. However we're going to term it moving forward, long-term, however, I don't care. But let women serve because God has gifted them, and they're a vital part to the church. Rachel, when we were walking outside, she was mentioning something about our church, and she said, man, look who put out all these flowers. It's great. And I'm like, (laughs) I haven't noticed one of them. And now I do. Thank you for pointing that out. You know, I don't know if you know this, fellas. There's some things we just don't see. Did you know that? There's some things we're just blind to. My family notices that all the time because mama can pick out everything that's dirty and unclean in her house, and we've not, we haven't seen it for months. There are some things that need a women's touch. There's some things that need a woman's eye. There's some things that need a woman's voice. And without it, we're missing, we're lacking. In fact, we probably put, there's a lot of things, most things. And so just encourage us as we move forward to not relegate women to just work in the nursery and cook us food, as many have for decades. They're made in the image of God. Paul says in Galatians, there's neither male nor female. We are equal in His sight. We will stand before the Lord of glory and give an account. Let them do what God has gifted them to do. Give them that freedom. Give them that role. Lastly, why be a deacon? Okay, we're all right. We got through there. You gonna be okay? Why be a deacon? Because there's great at the church all the time, right? <laughs> Why be a deacon? Look at verse number 13. There is a blessing to being a deacon for those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Those that serve well as deacons gain two things when they serve faithfully they gain a good standing among the community. Have you ever, Christian, in whatever church you've been in, you ever notice a deacon serving well? loving on people, doing something without having to be asked, putting their needs, putting others' needs ahead of their own. And they do. They rise in your mind. You're going, what a blessing that person is. They gain a good standing. They also gain great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Watch a deacon serve well, and he'll be admired and well-thought of. Watch a deacon serve well, and you will see that person grow in their faith. I mean, even today, right? So we had mentioned this to Brad because this is Brad just started, one of our younger deacons. No, he looks really old, but Brad Nice is one of our younger deacons. If you've seen him in the last year and a half, and I know we've been in a pandemic, and you haven't been able to do a lot of things, we just get back to Sunday school. Just as an outside observer, watching, just watching him grow. That's been a blessing to my heart. But the more he's been plugged in, the more he's wanted to do and serve, and the more God's growing him. Now, that's external, so I don't know for Brad if that's true in his heart, but it looks like it on the outside. That this is coming true, that a person serving well gains that good standing, and God grows their faith and makes them more like him. Because of that, who wouldn't want to be a deacon? Who wouldn't want to have a good standing? Who wouldn't want to have Jesus grow them? I encourage you. If you're not a deacon, why not? Maybe you should be one. Like, why well, I want to be one. Where are you serving? We got to see it. If the proof is in the pudding. Put it in front of us, brother. So, what does all this mean for us today? What can we apply to our lives from these verses? First off, friend, did you notice that a deacon first has to have a relationship with Jesus? We saw this in one of these qualifications. You have to know Jesus as your Savior. Do you know Him as your Savior? I want to encourage you, thinking back through 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 4, where we see that Jesus desires that all would be saved, that all would come to Him as their Savior. Friend, He loves you it says in second Timothy 2 sorry first Timothy 2 verse number 4 not only does he desire all to come to be saved but also verse number 6 that he gave himself a ransom for many he died for you gave his life for you and desires to save you will you come to him today you can do that by admitting that you like me that we are sinners believe that Jesus is the Christ he is the son of god we say this week after week but it's true he d- he did come he did die, he did rise, he did ascend on high, and he still lives today, intercedes on behalf of his own, and he will return. These are truths that are central to the Christian belief. Do you know him? Admit, believe, and then call. Whoever calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Will you give your life to him today? If you have questions on how you do that, see myself, See, Pastor Ethan, see one of our deacons. See a Christian friend you came with. Ask them, how can I know this? We love to take the time and walk you through this. Next, if you're here and you, you claim to be a Christian, let me ask you first a couple questions. First, uh, LBC, at the beginning of the study, again, we said, what is our sole guide for faith and practice? Is it the Word? Sometimes it's uncomfortable to work through these things. Where are we going to go? What slippery slope are we getting ready to get on? If we're grounded here, there is no slippery slope. If we are grounded here, there is no slippery slope. If we are not, there is. What will we do? I had somebody came to me last week, Pastor, you you know we're gonna change our constitution. You, church, are in authority. not a tyranny it's not a dictatorship I am a member with a vote what started all this was when we were trying to bring on a facility manager position and questions started getting we got asked in our m- Sunday morning meeting over in the chapel we were asked question after question from the constitution well who's this this and This? and well I don't like that going that's the way it's written which led to the deacon saying we got to do something Something's got to give. Which led to me saying, we're probably going to have to teach through this first. We're going to do the pastoral epistles then. Because this has to be our soul guide for faith and practice. Period. Not the way I grew up doing church. Not the way you grew up doing church. The way the Bible tells us we ought to do it. Is there confusion? Is there some gray? Absolutely. At least be honest with that. There is some gray. There are good people on both sides of a certain issue, and we can all take deep breaths. We're going to be all right. But by being spirit-led, we can move forward as one. What are we to do? It's up to you. Ignore it. Do nothing or align ourselves with what we see in the text. What do you think is best? Are you going to make a motion today, pastor, in the meeting to do this? No. Why? I teach. And I preach. This is not my church. If Jesus tarries by God's grace, a hundred years from now, this church will continue to be faithful to what they see in the word of God, not because of what Pastor Saunders said a long time ago what he directed them to do on some piece of paper. What is best for our church moving to the future? This is God's church. It's not yours. But he's given you, the people, authority. And I think it needs to rightly stay there. So it's up to you what we will do as time moves forward. Second, whether you think men or women can be deacons, Do you remember what verse 10 says? You need to first be tested. We have to see you serving. So Christian, are you regularly serving? If not, why? Do you want to grow in your faith? you want to have a good standing in the church? What would this text encourage us to do? Serve. Serve. When my wife and I graduated from college, we got a piece of paper, a cheap pen, and we got a towel. That's what we got. And on the towel, it says two sentences. Be great, period. Sentence one. Sentence two, serve, period. That was it. Be great, serve. Disciples are arguing over who's going to be the highest, who's going to sit on Jesus' right hand, who's the greatest of them all, and what does Jesus do? Takes off his robe, he grabs a towel, and he starts washing feet. You want to be like Jesus? Be great, serve. It's not a demotion to be deacon, is living out the essence of who Jesus was. He did not come to be served, but to serve. He did not come to, but he came to give himself a ransom for many. He did not come to be served. He did not come to sit on a bed and have people wave him with palm branches and give him grapes. Be great, serve. Lastly, look back at 3, 8 through 13. Which of these qualities do you think you don't have to live out? Look back at 3a through 13. What should you say? like, you know what? I don't need to do that. Shouldn't we all be doing these things? I mean this isn't. He's not, these aren't hard asks for you to have a good reputation. It's not a hard ask that you not be a drunk. He's asking that you be controlled by the Spirit of God and have a good reputation among God's people. Your personal life, your church life, and your home life, they line up. So we're not seeing one person. Everybody else is seeing somebody else. Could God make you into a servant like this that we see here? What's the answer? Absolutely. Can God do this in you? Absolutely. Will you let him? I hope so. Lord, I pray that you'd help us, help me to serve like Jesus served. Lord, I pray help us as our church moves forward. I, I know we, we mentioned Constitution a number of times, and I don't want that to distract from the text that we are working through. But there's so much in here for our hearts and our lives. So Lord, I pray that you would help us first to apply these truths to our hearts. We live them out. And then, Lord, in the future, however you'd move the church, would you help us to be spirit-led? Constitutions and doctrinal statements can be so divisive. Lord, would you give us unity? At the beginning of Philippians 2, Lord, you, you desire that we would have the mind of Jesus that puts others' needs ahead of our own, that we could have one mind. We could strive in one faith. In your high priestly prayer, you pray that we would be one as you and your Father are one. So however we move forward, Lord, would you allow us to do it together? This world is so divided and fractured over everything. Lord, may the church not be. Would you bring us together by your good grace? Lord, for those that are here that may not know you as Savior, I pray that today, today would be the day of salvation for them. Would you help them even where they are sitting to confess their sin, place their faith in you, and call out to you and be saved? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.